Greetings to the brightest audience in the country and welcome to Bob and Yart Live. I am Dominic Enyart. Today is Monday and you know what that means. We are going back to our broadcast classics and listening in, we are going to continue Bob's interaction with Greg Kokel should be a lot of fun. If you want to hear the earlier installments, you can go to our website, kgov.com, to find those. Now let's jump right into the broadcast. Greetings to the brightest audience in the country. Welcome to Bob and Yurt Live. I'm the pastor of Denver Bible Church. Thank you to those giving us feedback about yesterday's discussion, which will continue today, airing audio from Greg Kokel demonstrating, as we've admonished him, that he is a moral relativist, tragically. He's a highly respected Christian defender of the faith, a biblical apologist, speaker, author, and sadly, a moral relativist. Now, we've also been told that Greg has had an influence on the Summit Ministries, which some of our young people in our circles have gone to and graduated from, have even worked there. That's down in Manitou Springs, right by Pikes Peak, next to Focus on the Family, outside of Colorado Springs. And that means that this is the second time that Focus, like with the Truth Project's Del Tackett, where they teach against moral relativism and then actually act as relativist and support those who are committing the sin of moral relativism. So we're going to continue airing the audio from last week. And this arises because way back when I was on the radio back east on a network with Greg, and he was defending Christians voting for open pro-abortion politicians. And that means that they are mass murderers. So I made the case that the Bible says, do not do evil, that good may come of it, and it is evil if you support a mass murderer, if you support a murderer who's not repentant, and your murderer is always worse than their murderer always, and that there is no bottom to that abyss when you decide to do the lesser of two evils, if you're holding your nose and voting for a Republican because he's not as bad as Hillary Clinton, then within four years, if it's Hillary versus somebody else who's worse, then you're going to vote for Hillary. And four years later, you get the point. There's no bottom to that abyss. And so German Christians who had an opportunity to vote in the 1930s looked at Hitler and the Nazis and the Marxists and if he realized that the Marxists were poised to murder far more civilians than the Nazis, then he'd say, well, I got to support Adolf Hitler and the National Socialist because they're the lesser of two evils. And sure enough, in Colorado, we went to visit the chairman of the Colorado State Republican Party, and he told us, me and another ministry leader who was also an engineer at IBM, he told us at their headquarters in his office that, yes, if he realized that Adolf Hitler was the lesser of two evils, then he would have supported Adolf Hitler. How's that? Go back in our archives. You could find that program. So Greg Kokel's defense of this, and after we air the audio, I'll read you the email he sent this weekend 
his defense is that he knows what moral relativism is. In fact, he wrote a book on it. He agrees with the definition of moral relativism, and therefore he cannot be a moral relativist. And if the form of his defense is accurate, then Greg has discovered a new way to be holy, to guarantee that you are living as a sinless, righteous Christian. Guaranteed. It's very simple. Just follow the process. Do step one and step two. Like if you agree with the definition of racism and you verbalize that you're against racism, then you can't be a racist. If you agree with the definition of sin and verbalize that you're against sin, then you can't be a sinner. If you agree with the definition of moral relativism, this is Greg's defense. Even though 12 years ago he's supporting mass murderers, politicians, and last week he's saying that some same-sex couples are fabulous, that they make fabulous parents. Even with all that, if you agree with the definition of moral relativism and verbalize that you're against moral relativism, then you can't be a moral relativist, regardless, apparently, of whether or not your own moral judgments are changing with the culture over time and they're not consistent with God's standard. And that, of course, is exactly what is happening in the church at large. And regarding homosexuality, the church at large is not being protected by Greg Kokel's teaching because, in fact, he's giving aid and comfort to the Christians who have changed their view on homosexuality and now legitimize it, as Greg Kokel has done. To legitimize something means to declare it legally valid. That's a technical definition. And if you are affirming that homosexuals should be supported in adopting children, then clearly you are affirming homosexuality as legally valid. You're legitimizing it in the eyes of the law. And that means that you're breaking with 3,500 years of Judeo-Christian legal jurisprudence on homosexuality, where homosexuality was not only a sin, but it was a crime. And that's true in America until the 1960s. From when we were founded until the 1960s, homosexuality wasn't only a sin, it was also a crime. And that was true throughout the Judeo-Christian millennia, beginning undoubtedly from the creation, but as affirmed in the Mosaic Law 3,500 years ago at Mount Sinai from God through Moses to us and through the apostles in the New Testament to us who also affirm that homosexuality is not only sinful, it's also illegal. It should be against the law. As the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. So the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, that the law, the law, is not made for a righteous person, but for the unholy and profane. Now, does that make sense to you? Do not murder is addressed to would-be murderers. And if you love your wife and children, 
you are not refraining from killing them because the Ten Commandments say do not murder. If that's why you're refraining from killing your wife and children, there's something really wrong with you, which is beyond the problems that the typical Christian has. So Paul writes to Timothy, the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the unholy and profane, for murderers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for perjurers. That's in the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt not bear false witness. That's perjury. So what? Perjury should only be a sin and not a crime. Paul wrote to the Corinthians that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, and that's lusting for what you must not have, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners. In Romans chapter 1, Paul writes of vile passions for even their women lesbians exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful. Of course, Jesus, quoting Genesis, that from the beginning of the creation, and notice not after billions of years, but from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. That's in a couple of the Gospels. In Mark 7, Jesus said, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, sexual immorality, murders. In Matthew 23, woe to you, for you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, and the lesser, of course. And in Matthew 5.18, not one jot or one tittle, that is the dotting of an I or a crossing of a T, will pass from the law till all is fulfilled. So when God said, do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not covet, and that goes to establishing motive in a criminal trial, do not bear false witness against your neighbor, those five are the foundation of a criminal justice system. So homosexuality is not only a sin, it's also a crime. And what Greg Kokel has done in declaring it legally valid, in legitimizing homosexuality, he has broken with 3,500 years of Judeo-Christian jurisprudence, and he's instead sided with, now who fought the war to get Christians to change their position on this? He sided with Hollywood and Hillary and the humanists and the homosexuals. That's what he's done. He's rejected Moses, Jesus, and Paul and sided with Hollywood, Hillary, the humanists, and the homosexuals in saying that homosexuals should be able to adopt children. This is moral relativism. Now let's continue with Greg Kokel's audio from last week. Because a father brings something different to the relationship than a mother does. Period. This is as obvious as the day is long. I've just been thinking about it the last couple of days, for example, here at home. I have two daughters and a female wife, obviously, and two female cats. 
I got a lot of estrogen around here. And when my daughter has her friends come over, and there were two over yesterday, they go a little wacko and wild. And what does my wife do? She encourages it, which actually is pretty good because it's good for my daughters to enjoy each other and get a little wild. Now, what I do, I'm dad. I like like standards and order and stuff like that. And instead of being the protective influence, making sure the kids have a good time, I want to be pushing them to do things that they don't like to do. Clean up that mess. Take care of that thing. It's bedtime. Everybody goes to bed. That kind of stuff. So mothers, generally speaking, offer something different than fathers offer, generally speaking. And both are really important. If you have same-sex couples, you are designing a circumstance that denies a child or children that benefit. Mothers and fathers provide different things, period. Okay, and a kid needs both of them, and there's a balance out for that. This is a reason, by the way, just to show that I'm unfairly prejudiced here, why I don't believe that single people ought to adopt. Because there you're engineering the same kind of circumstance. You're engineering a circumstance where a child has, doesn't have a full complement of parents. Now, when my wife was a single mom when I married her. Some people find themselves in a circumstance like that because of the circumstances of death or immorality or something like that. And they do the best they can. And a lot of single parents do a fabulous job. But they know it's not ideal. So right. what we want to do is try to make decisions based on the ideal, okay? And the ideal is a mother and father. Actually, the ideal is a good mother and father. And in the foster care system, there are many saints. I've met a bunch of them. People who are just unbelievable in their sacrificial approach to parenting stop the and tape, the prices stop they the pay. Two points, one about Greg's false equivalencies and the other about the foster care system, and I don't want to pile on by adding a second issue, but it's so crucial. First, Greg draws these false equivalencies between homosexuality and heterosexual singleness. You see, a single heterosexual person doesn't make as good of a parent as if the child had a mom and a dad cohabitating heterosexuals don't make for the same good parenting environment and stability as having married parents. Bad parents don't make for as good parents as if you had good heterosexual parents. That's all obfuscation. That's all irrelevant because homosexuality, not only is it a sin, and by the way, Christians who say that, well, it's not a sin to have the desires. It's only a sin to act it out. That's not true. Jesus didn't say adultery is only a sin if you act it out. He said if you have the desire for your neighbor's wife, that's a sin. It's not only a sin if you molest a child. If you have a desire to molest a child, that's a sin. If you have a desire for an animal, bestiality, you don't have to act it out for it to be a sin. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if a man has a desire for a boy or a desire for another man, that is a sin, and that's what needs to be overcome. If a heterosexual man has a desire for women that he should not have, 
that is a sin, and that's the sin that needs to be overcome. Of course, Greg Kokel didn't address that issue, but that's a common false teaching when Christians speak about homosexuality, which the vast majority of them are scared to death to speak about unless they bend over backwards to be wonderfully kind and provide every opportunity and every possible compliment to the homosexual. It's like Joe Biden. What did he do just now regarding Muslims? He was speaking to Muslim voters, and he got endorsed by the largest Muslim organization in the U.S. just this week. And he said, I wish that our public schools taught more about Islam. He speaks in glowing terms. Reminded me of George W. Bush, who said way more wonderful, positive things about Muhammad and the Koran and Islam than he would ever say about Jesus, Christianity, and the Bible. And so the Christians who do venture out, almost scared to death, far more concerned with what their audience will think of them than they are for the child who now is going to be raised in a dystopian world where homosexuality is normalized. Far more concerned with how they are viewed than they have concern for that child. So these are false equivalencies. It doesn't matter what kind of economic stability or they're really good at making sure he does his homework. All of that is irrelevant because homosexuality is grotesquely perverse, inherently criminal. No way should homosexuality be given quarter in any society, moral society, certainly not in the church and in the teaching of the church. Every child adopted by a homosexual is unavoidably an abused child. As to the foster care system, which is yet another socialist contribution to America, it is wrong for the government to be funding and intimately involved in the upbringing of a child. You remove the foster care system, which is a monstrosity, a governmental bureaucratic monstrosity, you remove that and children need to be cared for by the very parents who are given the opportunity to become bad parents because their kids will be taken care of. They need to be taken care of, if not by their own parents, by family members, if not by family members, then by friends of the family, if not by friends of the family, then by church members and neighbors and by private ministries that are set up to take care of kids, not by the government. So to give a false sense of security to society and to the very children who end up in the foster care system because, well, we know wonderful people in the foster care system. That's irrelevant. You might have met a wonderful prostitute. That's irrelevant. Foster care is inherently socialist, just like saying we're going to guarantee medical care for people with pre-existing conditions. That's like telling Allstate, oh, you have to guarantee coverage even to people who don't have insurance with you, even after they get in an accident. Not only is that insanity, it's also thievery. You're guilty of God's enduring command, thou shall not steal, and you're a socialist. 
people who are just unbelievable in their sacrificial approach to parenting and the prices they pay to deal with what are often troublesome uh, children coming out of the foster care system. And plus, they invest in them for years and then they may lose them back to the system or to the parents that didn't do such a good job in the first place. So there's some amazing people there, but there are also people that are in it for the money and they pay a little attention to the kids and there's abuse that slips through the system and all kinds of stuff like that. This is why it's hard to make to, to make a judgment. Are children in foster care better off with same-sex couples or with better off staying in foster care? Um, stop and so, the tape, stop the tape. So there, Greg unwittingly has put his finger on the reason that God did not tell us to weigh the eternal consequences of various evils in order to decide which one to support. That is utterly impossible. If you had a quantum computer, fully functional quantum computer, you cannot determine the harm to come in the following months, years, decades, centuries, eternity from taking one evil path versus another, from supporting one evil or what you think of as a lesser evil. As our Christian leaders, including our apologists, as and including Del Tackett and James Dobson and National Right to Life, and they're not even hardly Christian from what I can tell, but National Right to Life. But as they have trained a million Christians, the Christians who are most inclined to be active and make a difference in our society, in our nation, in the world, as they have trained us all to be moral relativists, to support evil that good might come of it, even though God says in his word through the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, do not do evil that good may come of it. Do not. But we are taught that we need to vote for mass murderers, people who admit to killing. I remember Donald Trump was asked during the campaign in 2017. We have it on ProLifeProfiles.com. Just click on Donald Trump. And you'll see he was asked, does he support the abortion laws? Does he think they need to be changed? No, they don't need to be changed. I support the laws. The abortion laws are set. Well, don't you think it's murder? Well, yes, I think it's murder, but the abortion laws are set. I mean, what in the world does that mean? And so when Donald Trump, under his signature, by his authority, gave to Planned Parenthood so far in his administration over $1 billion, you can kill a lot of kids with a billion dollars. And if your goal is to defund Auschwitz, step one is don't give them a billion dollars. That's step one, if that was your goal. And Donald Trump's a fighter. He knows how to fight for money for the wall, and he sort of finally got around to fighting to not give hundreds of millions of dollars to Planned Parenthood. But we got to see what actually has happened after all the budgets are settled. But when he says that he supports the state's rights to decide whether or not they want to kill children, that's like supporting states' rights to decide whether they want to kill Jews or blacks. There is no such thing as a state's right to decriminalize murder. States have the right to prosecute murderers, but they don't have the right to decriminalize murder. So you end up with millions of Christians who simply 
are incapable of thinking clearly, and they end up like the Herodians in the New Testament, where Jesus was against the Herodians, because even though Herod was a murderer, they supported him because they thought that's how they would get the best deal for themselves and for their country. So you cannot calculate which is the lesser evil. You simply cannot make that calculation. And that's why God never told us to do that. Instead, he said, obey me, obey me. To, to make a judgment, are children in foster care better off with same-sex couples or with better off staying in foster care? Um, and so that, that, that it, it's, it depends on the individual circumstance. I would rather see a child in a reasonably healthy environment with a same-sex couple than in an abusive environment with a heterosexual couple. But these are all judgments that have to be made kind of on the run. And the right. big issue is, the big thing is, what's best for the kid? And another detail that you have to consider in what's best for the kid is heterosexual parents are better than same-sex parents on balance, all things being equal. And that is a that is a bias that people might say I'm bringing. It's a prejudice, you know, it's you're, you're, you're judging. And, well, it's not a prejudice. It's not a prejudgment. It's a judgment based on facts, common sense facts. Okay, so is it discriminatory? Of course it's discriminatory. We always discriminate in decisions we make, and sometimes the discriminations are right ones. And this is an example of that, just the same way as I would discriminate against a single person who wanted to adopt. However, if this child had no parent whatsoever and was living in the squalor in the street somewhere, it's better for, for that child to be with a single parent than where they're at. And so that's why the circumstances taken as a whole need to be taken into consideration. Stop the tape. Stop the tape. So there's no bottom to that abyss. It's ridiculous. It's like saying, well, what if there's a child molester, human trafficker, and the child is about to be burned up by lava from an erupting volcano? Which would you would you actually rather the child to be burned up? Wouldn't he be better being rescued from the lava by the child molester, and now he's in the arms of the child molester, but at least he's better off. Moral relativists and those involved in what is popularly considered situational ethics and utilitarian morality, they're excellent at drawing false equivalencies and near equivalencies. So you say, well, this is evil, but this is sure a better evil than that evil, so I support this evil. Well, then look at that evil. What if there was an evil that was worse than that evil? Well, then well then I'd support that evil. And there's no bottom to that abyss, and this is exactly why God never instructed us to make judgments in the way that Greg Kokel, as a moral relativist, is making them. ...than where they're at. And so that's why the circumstances taken as a whole need to be taken into consideration. I see, because uh, I was in a discussion with a friend about this for a couple weeks ago, and she was pretty adamant that uh, she would rather a same-sex couple adopt a child and they be safe and healthy there than in a deplorable situation in the foster care system. And I was kind of leaning towards the idea that there's a lot of negative outcomes and effects for living in a same-sex parent household for children, and I didn't know if those necessarily would outweigh being in a foster care system, but I know that there are a lot of variables there. 
Yeah. And, and, uh, I, I think, yeah, that's, that's the key, the variables. However, that's why I said all things being equal. And I think it's wrong, flat out bad policy. It ignores common sense to in the foster care system to treat same sex couples exactly the same as heterosexual couples. They shouldn't because heterosexual couples bring something more to the parenting environment than same-sex couples bring. That's basically the end. And caveats like that do not redeem the immoral judgment that Greg Kokel is making. And he's demonstrating with this caller, I feel so bad for this caller, because the Bible says that teachers have the stricter judgment. And this is why. This man trusts Greg Kokel. And Greg Kokel is teaching him to be a moral relativist and that dishonors God, that profanes God. This is Bob Enyar, our website, kgov.com.